There's something so indescribably sexy about you standing in the middle of a crowd. Uh, this is going to hurt you a lot more than it will me, I'm happy to say. Mornings are about to get nasty. It's the Mizzy Bender Show. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode where we have an exciting guest full of all sorts of naughty thoughts. And the reason why I know this is because I had the opportunity to be a guest on Strictly Anonymous Confessions podcast. And we have our lovely guest who she's going to introduce herself momentarily. Um, And she's going to tell us about how she got to the point where her podcast became so successful and all of the naughty thoughts and everything in between, because she does talk swingers. She talks threesomes. She talks, I mean, everything and anything you can possibly imagine from a sex standpoint. So Uh that's right. So please introduce yourself. Well, my name is Kathy Kay. That's my made-up name. Everyone remains anonymous on my show. It's called Strictly Anonymous Confessions, and that's exactly what's going on. I mean, listen, you came on as yourself because you're out and proud, but a lot of people on my show uh, do come you know, on anonymously. I happen to be anonymous, too. My show, the interesting story about my show, it really kind of like happened backwards, and I didn't really set out to have a sex show or just a show just about sex, but that's what it wound up to be. And, you know, here we are like nine or 10 years later, and I can't even tell you the kind of shit that I've heard and uh, the naughty stories that people call in and tell me and the things that I've learned. I mean, like you said, I have learned a lot through doing this, but like my journey wasn't so straightforward. It was kind of like backwards. It was weird. Well, I would love to hear it because it kind of sounds similar to mine. So now I'm even more interested to see how this all began. I mean, it really has to do with me just like being cheap or frugal. I don't know. It's funny because like so many years ago, like 10 years ago, I worked in entertainment. I worked with comedians, right? And 10 years ago, it wasn't like everybody had a podcast. Like nobody had a podcast except comedians, right? Nobody was really doing it. But those people were, comedians were. And I'm so glad that I actually did start 10 years ago because like now if I wanted to start, I think it'd be harder and Mm. I'd be salivating like, oh my God, I wish I did this long ago. And you know, because it's so up my alley and exactly what I love to do. And because these comedians, I knew them really well. They're like, Kathy, you should do a podcast because I always like to talk to people and help people about their problem with their problems. And so I really wanted to do a call in advice show. And one of my comedian friends, his name was Robert Kelly. He's kind of big. He was on like Louis C.K. show and stuff. He's like kind of famous. Fine. Uh, he, yeah, he was the one that taught me everything. And I didn't have a name or anything. He said, just start taping things and do it. And then, you know, we'll put it all together and figure out, you know, all that other stuff later. So I wanted to do a call in advice show because I love to like analyze people and shove my opinions down their throats and stuff like that. And I felt like my friends were so sick of it that like, well, I don't know if I do it like on a show, like I could meet people that want me to do that for them. So I wanted like a Dear Abby show, but I was so afraid that my show was going to suck and I was going to be boring and I wasn't going to know what I was doing that I didn't want anyone to know about it. Right. Because I didn't want to fail in front of everybody. So at that time, like I had a Facebook and whatever social media was going on at that time. But I couldn't put a call out there because, like I said, I didn't want anyone to know what I was doing. Right. So I went to Craigslist. 
And I went to post like in the regular section. I forget what it was, like whether it was community service or some sort of regular place. Just like the regular forum, yeah. Yeah, and it cost money to put an ad there. And I knew I needed to put lots of ads out to like get people to call in. So I'm like, you know, I don't want to pay, you know, $20 for so many different ads. So I went to the only place that was free and that was the personal section. And I wound up putting an ad in every one of those sections, men for men, women for women, women for men, casual encounters, romantic encounters, misconnections, like you name it, I put them there because it was free, basically. How fucking smart though. Yes, because this is what happened. It was so crazy. I want to like pause for a second though. Yeah, yeah. I so appreciate hearing your struggles early on because (laughs) Like yeah. out of the conversations that we've had outside of the podcast, you know, you hear my yeah. insecurities and, and I'm very vocal with my audience about them. And so to hear that, like you had similar thoughts right out of the gate makes me feel yes. so much better because I truthfully for the past couple of years have been like, am I failing? Am I doing this? Like, I totally, just you know, so thank you so much for saying that. Like, I look up to you so much from the podcast standpoint. So is thank you like honestly yeah no and let me tell you those insecure thoughts came down the line too afterwards you know like it didn't stop until many years into it because it takes a while to learn how to do this and to do it well and feel like you you know you're mastering it but because so I did it on Craigslist right because I was I didn't want anyone to know and like and that's why I remain anonymous to this day because I started out that way only because I was thought I was my show was gonna suck so I um, made myself anonymous. I got the most, I got so many emails from those first ads I put out and it was like striking gold. Okay. Like it was like one guy, like my first five episodes that I have on my show, like episode one, two, three, four, five are all, we're all taped in the one day. I made my co-host literally tape five hours of show. I could have done 15 more because I love to talk. Like this is what I do in my regular life. 24 seven. So for me, it was great. My co-host was really annoyed and he wound up leaving six months later anyway. But for me, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. I, it was like the craziest stories I had ever heard. Right. So These like first you people. just put a thing up saying like, oh, do you want to share your story? Like it was just, yeah, about sex, love, relationships, romance, finance. It was like anything. It was a very generic thing. You want to be a guest on a podcast show. One guy was like, I'm fucking my best friend's brother's wife and he's the sheriff in town and another guy was like I can't have an orgasm unless I go down on a woman and I don't know what my problem is it was like that kind of stuff and that's the kind of stuff I love to dig deep in right so and and that's and so that's how it worked and then I started to ask people like you know listen you know like especially that guy that was like fucking his best friend's brother's wife's husband whatever and he was a sheriff in town we decided to make up names and then I started changing people's voices. Um, and that's just how it happened. I didn't even have the name of my show until like I taped like probably 10 of them. And then wow. it became strictly anonymous because I decided to, uh, everyone's going to change their name. I'm getting these really salacious stories. Uh, and that's what it's going to be about. And listen, it's not like, like I really believe in the universe and things just like sort of happening the right way. It's not like I was some prude person who never talked about sex and wound up with a show about sex. I mean, I was kind of somebody who was always like really vocal and talking about sex just because in my generation, I'm 54. When I was younger, nobody talked about sex. The people thought I was a slut and I did nothing like what my right. callers and did. I was you know what I mean? wondering that if you yeah, were yeah. like a sexual being at heart, 
Very much so. Yes. Just open sexually and very open and like in a lot of ways, but nothing compared to, like I said, what I, what I have on my show, but because of the time that I grew up in, and I think it was like my way of getting attention. I always talked about sex just because nobody else wanted to. And it was so Mm -hmm. taboo. And I never really got why people were so like horrified by it. And I think, like I said, when I was younger, it was my way of getting attention. I did sleep around. I wasn't somebody, I'm much more like the girls nowadays that are younger. Like I didn't necessarily need or want to have a boyfriend. I wanted to fuck lots of different people. I fucked whoever I wanted. I had booty calls. I had two boyfriends at the same time. You know, I did a lot of things like that. You lived alternatively, sounds like for a good portion of your life. Yeah, but never, like, I never went to a swingers club or anything. I mean, I admire, I think the people on my show are so much more ballsier than me. That's why I'm always, like, sort of admiring people that I talk to that really uh, went way further than me. I think I was, like, uh, I held back a little bit when I was younger because of the time that I grew Mm. up in and stuff. But I wasn't, like I said, it wasn't, like, odd that me, Kathy, would wind up with a sex show, right? But it wasn't my intention. But I was never judgmental about what people did uh, with sex. So I, you know, and I think because of that, because I'm a very non-judgmental person, people always like told me things and would always open up to me. And Mm -hmm. that's why, and that's how my show kind of worked. You know what I mean? Like people would call up, they tell me their craziest stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of the time, these people, this is like their secret lives and they're talking about it for the first time. And there's something about talking to somebody strictly only audio uh, no video. I never see my callers. I don't want to know what they look like. I don't want to know their real names. I don't want to know like how much money they make or what their house looks like in the background of a Zoom. I want to know nothing. It's the way for me to remain as unbiased as possible. You know what I mean? If you take away all of that stuff and you just hear a story, there's just like the least amount of judgment. And that's what I love. And so I feel like people also in that space, because I'm not looking at them and they're not looking straight at me. And I, you know, they're making up a fake name and they call me from a fake number. I don't give a shit. I'm not Googling these people. (laughs) Uh, They really wind up telling me everything. And sometimes for the first time in their life. And I, you know, I really set out to do my show to help people. And at the end of the day, you could look at my you know, titles, they're very salacious, gangbangs, mm-hmm. hot wife thing, oral sex, bisexual, you know, all that. Yes, but I, no, but I am helping people. And that's really what I believe at the end of the day my show is doing. And that's what I always wanted to do with my show. I wanted a call and advice show so I could help people. And I am helping people, people yeah. with fetishes, people who are, even people who are cheating. I mean, I know some podcaster friends that would never have a cheater on their show. I will have them on. I want to hear the whole story. I think people could learn from it. I'm not only helping the people who are calling into my show. I think I'm helping the people who are listening. Like, yeah. listen, this is why people cheat. This is real life shit. Yeah. Like, you could learn what not to do, what to do, you know, how to open up about your fetish. Like all that kind of good stuff is what I get on my show. And that's what I love the most about doing it, it is, you know, helping people. And I think that, so there's so many points here that I want to circle back on. Yeah, Number yeah. one, I am really thinking through about this non, this lack of visual between you and I right now. I, yeah. I understand <laughs> what you're saying on how much of a difference it makes mm-hmm. on the way that you communicate. And I think I'm going to now copy you and bring this into my episodes going forward when I record them, because I think that you're right. It it brings down a wall and it mm-hmm. allows so much more vulnerability to come through. Totally. And you get totally. so much more organic 
juicy, like really emotional feelings that maybe you would hesitate, even, you know, just a slight hesitation. So I'm totally, I'm now putting that into my podcast. So thank you for that one. No, I love that. I've told other podcasters this too, kind of like saying like, listen, like this works for this reason. And trust me, it, it does make a difference, you know, on both ends. I'm the type of person I'm very visual. I almost could see through people. Like if you were sitting across from me, like where my friends are or someone, like I could see if you're lying one word, I could see if you feel a feeling for one second, you know what I'm talking about? Right. So, so to me, I, if I have that visual in front of me, it could really sway a conversation because I could start getting visual cues that maybe don't need to be there. You know what I mean? And would take me in the wrong direction. So taking away all of that, like I said, the background of their house, you know, how much they weigh, how hot or not hot they are, and just getting the story really helps. And a lot of times, because listen, there's therapists out there, right? People could go to therapists and tell them their problems. But I'm like, I don't know why before, like a couple of years ago, therapists didn't do it this way too, because mm-hmm. it's it's much easier to tell somebody shit when you're not looking them in the face, yeah. when you're not sitting in front of them. Like you Especially said, you could be more vulnerable. People are, are, are expressing to you because I have listened to many of your episodes and some yeah. of the stories, they get extremely... I'm not going to say crazy because I don't mean crazy, but I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like dropping for a second. <laughs> <Yes>. you <know? laughs> I love it. Yeah. And, and I live in a crazy territory myself. So I'm just like, yeah. oh my gosh, you know, it's just, it's crazy. So, okay. So now you've gone through your journey and you've, you've started to gather all of your materials through Craigslist. You did your marathon recording. What happened next? Well, you know, I told you that I did have that co-host. You know, I started with the co-host and then, you know, like six months into it, he was like the worst. I fired him. And then I had another freak out moment. Like, how am I going to do this myself? I don't know how to do an intro talking to myself, you know, and just run a call just with me and a call or whatever. It turned into that. I worked for the first couple of years or maybe even longer, maybe five, like I had to work. It's so hard to get guests. Now I have too many people that want to be on my show because my show goes out to so many people. People are emailing me all the time, but it just took a really long time to work Craigslist. Thank God by the time Craigslist was cut down and, you know, deleted, like the personals were gone, my show was up and running. And then it just took off from there. You know, I've, I've learned so much in the time I, you know, I, the only thing I've changed since the beginning is I just do more episodes a week. And I think Mm -hmm. going into next year, I'm going to do even more because I just have so many people calling in. I do three episodes a week. I try to give people a taste of everything. You know, I don't like to just make it about one thing. I think people come to my show for fetishy stuff. You know, I'll have a guy on that wears diapers and wears panties and is into pantyhose. You know, those are three separate guys or it could be the same guy. I'll right. also have hot wives on. I'll have guys that suck dick on the side behind their wives' backs. Like I said, I'll do cheaters. I'll do it all, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think and- that's a beautiful thing because um, for the, the people that are kind of like hiding some of the fetishes and don't really know how to express them. I could imagine that being able to freely talk to you and not having to see a face makes them feel kind of powerful in a moment because they're able to speak their true truth and kind of in that moment. So like really emphasizing the fact of you helping others and really, you know, providing that to them. I, I don't think that many 
listeners understand sometimes when it does come down to the kinks and different fetishes and the sexual things that others like, how hard and difficult it is sometimes to personally accept, let alone the outside world to accept us, our own selves. So I love that. It's I really love this. To carry on a double life, and a lot of the people that are calling into my show have been doing that for a long time because they're from a different generation, is exhausting. Hmm. And it's not like these people don't have feelings about it. It's not like they don't feel guilt and shame, you know, and shame is a terrible thing to carry. You know what I mean? And women from my generation, like I love, like I just had a woman, two women on Candy and Jasmine. These are women in their fifties. Jasmine is in her sixties. She looks hotter than most 25 year olds. If you saw her pictures, people were like going crazy when they saw her. She's like, and they're like, you know, these are women that are like coming into their own sexually for the first time in their lives in their Mm -hmm. fifties. Cause they grew up in my generation, which was totally different. If you were a woman like me who liked sex and was open about it, you were a slut. And like I said, I barely did anything compared to what you could do now. Like the way I dressed every day is the way that girls only dressed on Halloween. Now everyone's naked, even on the red carpet. You know what I mean? It's like crazy. It's a a different world. It's so crazy. And this is going to be a, maybe a a weird analogy for me to make. But I mean, listen, I watched the Kardashians and I, I it's like a lot of, um, I don't even know what they would be classified as like TV. Reality TV. Yeah. Reality TV. Yeah. 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 And Mm -hmm. more and more they're embracing nudity, you know, showing riskiness on social media, embracing sexuality and to a degree, to a degree getting shamed for it. But I appreciate that there is kind of this shift and it's like this bigger, powerful movement of like, no, go fuck yourself. We're women. We can do whatever we want and we can be however we want. Do you think that it has been difficult for you personally to watch the shift of it, you know, getting to this point? Are you excited and thrilled that you've been able to part of the journey of how it's changed? Yeah, no, I love it. I sometimes was like, oh my God, like I was born ahead of my times. Like what I was doing, like I said back then, is like I would have been so like everybody now, mm-hmm. but in a weird way, it kind of worked for me because, like I said, it's like I was like unique back then. Yeah. It was like the way I got my attention. You didn't have to do much for you to be like so abnormal or whatever it was, you know? Whereas now I'd just be like everybody else and I'm a little bit of a contrarian, you know? So I think I kind of dug it. The fact that everybody was like this way and I wasn't, but what I love now, and sometimes I think back to be like, oh, you know, if there were like labels, you know, a lot of people are really put off by labels, Mm. all the fucking labels that are out there. But I'm like, oh my God, if I had those in my twenties, I don't think you need them by the time you're 50 or even 35, you know, but in your twenties, labels are fucking awesome Mm. because it try it really helps you figure out like where you fit in. And in that time of your life, you really do want to fit in. Like I said, when I was younger, I didn't want to get married and have kids by the time I was 25, but that's what everybody else wanted. But I didn't want that just naturally. I never wanted that. Even as like a little girl, I wanted to just like fuck whoever I I sometimes like two guys at the same time and told them and had it, you know, if there would have been all those labels, I feel like I would have felt less bad about myself or less confused. You know, because there was no place for me to fit in. There was two places to be or two people to be. You were either gay or straight or bisexual. And and that just meant that you like both men and women. There was nothing else, you know? And I think, uh, you know, when you are in your 20s, I would would say though, like, 
bisexuality and gay, like that wasn't even a, a hot topic that you were really no, you didn't want to be in that I box. Did. So, no, no, you didn't want to be in that box. So, really, you know, if you weren't straight and you weren't married with kids by the time you were turned age, you were like, what the fuck were you? You yeah. were dysfunctional. You know, I felt very dysfunctional when I was younger. When I look back now, I wasn't. I just was this just the way that I rolled. I wasn't right. like a relationship person. I never was. I never had been. I always knew when I was younger, like I just never got like the whole wedding thing, you know, I, but I always knew I wanted a kid. I'm like a 54 year old woman with a child and no husband. That's, but that's what I always wanted, you know, but because there was no sort of box for that or place for that it's different nowadays all the young girls are like that like mm -hmm. you know nobody's getting married when they're 25 I mean some people do and there's nothing wrong with that everybody's sort of different right but yeah. I feel like there's so many more people now living and younger girls like being the way I was when I was younger um right. you know I always yeah. liked sex I always wanted to try different things I was always curious about it curious about it I could fuck a guy that I didn't like and not fall in love with him or, you know <laughs> I mean like I, I don't know and I just feel like girls are like that nowadays when I was younger though girls like didn't fuck guys unless they were dating them it just right. was a very different time so I'm not really a past person I don't look back and be like oh I wish I was back then my life was terrible no I love everything I went through I I was born when I was and I but I think that everything that happened to me set me up to be exactly who I am now hosting the show I love what I do I couldn't be happier with my career I made it my career I've been doing it for 10 years um and so and I love it I love like I said I do this in my regular life if like you met me at a party I'd be in the corner sitting next to somebody drilling them about their life and getting their whole life story because I'm <laughs> genuinely interested in people and so that's why people have always told me their life stories because yeah. I'm like never asking from a judgmental place I'm asking from a curiosity yeah. place I find just regular people interesting and so you know that's what I'm doing on my show I love learning the journeys of individuals yeah. because like you said earlier on about like being able to sit across from somebody and like just being able to read right through them. Like I can totally yeah. do that. And so when I pick up on some things, I just start asking a million and 10 questions because I'm like, now I need to understand why I'm getting this from you. And I just need yeah. to know all the ins and outs. So the part of the podcast about doing that, I do really absolutely enjoy as well. It is such a, um, a rewarding experience in such a, a bizarre way. I don't know how else to explain it, but it is, yeah, it's great. So I if, really... if you're that type of person, I mean, like, you know, I remember once uh, my friend Robert, who had said for me to do the show that my comedian, he's like, you know, Kathy, I really think your podcast what you know after I did a couple of episodes he listened he said I really love like the questions you asked are all like really great like I don't know how you prepared for it but the questions you had were perfect I'm like I have never had one question written down ever mm -hmm. like yeah. seriously I almost feel like uh, like an artist like they're like I have a blank canvas in front of me I kind of know what I want to paint it's a picture of a housewife who a hot wife who like fucks guys on the side and her husband loves it you know but what I wind up coming out with at the end you know through my asking questions and wherever the conversation goes, because I don't have questions, I'm, I'm always surprised with mm -hmm. what I get. And I always love what I get at the yeah. end. You know what I mean? And the yeah. more layers I get, the better. Like, you know, like I said, sometimes you'll see an episode. Like I did an episode the other day. It was so great. It was a fetish Friday episode. And I'm just like, I don't know how to 
label this to for people to understand it's so much more than a guy who likes to wear panties you know the whole second half was about all these issues with his wife and they were just like regular issues that I don't even think had to do with his fetish they were just regular intimacy issues that anybody would relate to Mm -hmm. so I love when these uh my episodes have salacious stories you know people get woodies when they listen to my show and I'm all for that like that's totally cool you know but I'm not creating porn I like to like sort of draw people in with that and everything but also give them something to learn and I do think that there's so many so many pieces of that in my show and the more of that the better for me you know yeah and I do think that organically you know again touching upon what you're saying about not really prepping in a way like I don't really prep either like I have a general idea of like the conversation because I think that it really is based upon what the you know person providing the story is going to share with you and to Mm -hmm. organically follow what it is that they're sharing with you and trying to dig in you can't you can't prepare that like you kind of just have to be in it and yeah just making it more organic and it just I find the flow works so much easier so I think well it's a different yeah. And I, this is the thing. And cause sometimes I get people on YouTube, like, why don't you shut the fuck up? Like, you know, in the comment section, like, why are you talking? This is an interview. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's not an interview. Actually. An interview is a very different thing. That is an interview is something that you have to prepare for. And you have questions, you know, when you're interviewing an expert, I hate doing that. I'm terrible at that. Cause that's like acting. Okay. Mm-hmm. I am having conversations on my show. That's what my show is. It's not an, I'm not interviewing people. I'm having a conversation and people are getting to listen to it. So I'm always like, there's always going to be two people talking. Okay. I'm one of them. I'm there and I'm talking because I'm actually genuinely interested. There's never once that I'm on a call with anybody. And sometimes I tape like eight episodes a week, sometimes 10, sometimes two, but I'm never like sitting there bored. Like I'm always like fascinated. I'm right there. Like all my, all my questions are coming from a real place of curiosity. Now, listen, me and you are not normal people. I go out on a daily basis. I sit in chairs and people are talking to me. Nobody asks me a question. Nobody gives a shit. Like nobody ever wants to know anything about me because most people aren't like that, but we are. And that's why we're good at what we do because it genuinely is what we like. And it's true. I think that you're right. I think that you either have a knack for it or you don't. Like people tell me all the time, they're like, oh, you should have your own TED talk. You know, I don't know how you just like do this all the time. And truthfully, I don't know how I do it either. Sometimes, you know, after I finish an episode, I'm like, wow, well, that was really great. And I give myself a pat on the back because I'm surprised that it went so well. (laughs) But that's your talent. I mean, that's your talent. That's why you should be doing a podcast. That's what it's that's what that's the kind of people that should be doing a podcast. I mean, nowadays, it's something that like everybody's doing. I think a lot of people don't wind up being successful or fail or uh, drop out, you know, early on, because it's not natural. Like, like I said, I, I think most people do not give a shit about other people. I'm like, mm-hmm. I meet people all the time. And I'm always questioning people and talking to about their life story. But nobody's ever asking me about my life story. I mean, right. they find out some interesting things, but they never ask. Because right. I don't think most people roll that way. And that's fine because everybody's different. But I think that's why me and you get people to open up. Yeah. Before I did my show, and I bet you you're going to say this, is this true about you? Before I did my show, no matter where I was, no matter who I'm friends with, like people would always say two things to me. Like one, you're the only person, Kathy, I could talk to on the phone. Like I can't talk to anybody on the phone. I hate the phone, but I could talk to you on the phone for two hours. Like you're the only one. And the other thing I always heard is like, I don't know why I'm telling you this. Like mm-hmm. I never told anybody this. Like yeah. I don't know why, you know. And that's you too, right? Because it just, 
because it's it's coming from an authentic place and i don't think everyone rolls that way and that's totally fine i'm kind of a private person i don't give a shit that nobody's asking me questions i feel like i learned so much by talking to other people and because it's other people are genuinely interesting to me because i'm such a curious person like i use it to entertain myself i don't need to talk about myself with anybody else you know it's it's yeah. fun for me to get somebody else's story and i think that there's always like such interesting stories to uncover and you never know like once i had a guy on and he was calling up to talk about his bdsm experience and it was like a part two update show and you know talk about not sort of having it to go a certain way it wound up to be like this guy was suicidal and it turned oh, out to be man. like me helping him not like killing himself like crazy kinds of situations like that or like the guy with the panties who had serious issues with his wife and that's really what was going on and needed to happen. So it kind of winds up to be like therapy. I always say I give unprofessional advice, but I love to give advice and I in, love that kind of stuff. In those moments when people are becoming so vulnerable and sharing, yeah. do you get a sense of nervousness or do you feel like you need to do something extra no. or like what goes on in your brain at that moment in time? Oh, like that's when I get the fucking chills. That's when yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I am in the right place at the right time. And it is a flow that I, that's what I'm there for. I feel yeah. like, you know, listen, I've been through a lot of different things in my life. So sometimes like when I'm talking, cause I was an addict, I quit a lot of, I caught drinking and different things. Like and I did my addiction story. Like when someone's talking to me about addiction or depression, I've had that, that, that kind of stuff in my life. Anything that I can kind of relate to and help somebody with through my own personal experiences. Mm. I fucking love it. I get energized by it. It's like, that's like, to me, it, it makes everything that I've ever been through like worth it. Cause I really believe that I'm meant to help people and that's yeah. what I like to do the most. So no, it's I'm never nervous. So, I'm always excited. It's so insane that you're saying this because maybe that is why we're so authentic because I also within, you know, my history, and I'm sure like everybody has a slew of things that they've gone yeah. through, but like the suicidal stuff, addiction, mm -hmm. bipolar, you know, mental things, yeah. a PTSD to a severe level and mm -hmm. alcoholism and addiction and, you know, all these different things. And, you know, when you have to experience and when they're, when their people are so close to you, you know, like the suicidal yeah. stuff was with my mother, the PTSD, yeah. alcoholism was with my ex-husband. And when you're in such tight quarters with emotional instabilities like this it's like you almost have to become so raw yourself because it's so unpredictable about what's going to be going on around you mm -hmm. and because of that I think that it does make one even more empathetic to everybody around you because you understand the intensity and how far down the rabbit hole things can go and so yeah maybe, for sure it makes it yeah. all worth it that you can help others with yep. your experience what else is if or going through hard times, it's right. not just to learn and grow yourself, but then you could help other people. I've been through a lot of things myself. And to me, because I'm so not a past person, I see that everything that I went through, I never like I'm a cup half full person. I'm never yeah. like, woe is me. I'm like, I don't, you know, yeah, I, I can't drink. I'm an addict, but I've, I've accepted the cards that were dealt with me. Right. Dealt, you know, I've been there, done that, kicked that habit. Now I help people. And I feel like everything that I went through and all those trials and tribulations and that hard stuff, it helps me help other people and be more empathetic. And I love that I could understand people more, yeah. you know, and that I'm yeah. not like a, had a, I'm not like clueless. I remember <laughs> having a roommate who was like crying hysterically in my, uh, uh, in my house. Uh, she was my roommate and I like gasping for air crying. Like I like that kind of crying, you know, and I was like, Oh my God, what's wrong? And she was like, I lost my paycheck. 
And I was like, oh, well, you know, can't like your, you know, I'm trying to help her find it. And I'm like, like, can't they like get you another one? And she's just like, yes, but I don't want to. And like gasping for air crying. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, like this is like, this girl's life is so great that this is like her biggest problem. Like, oh my God, how lucky is she that she is gasping for air crying over a lost paycheck. She has a, like, what a privileged, happy life she's been. Like, I did not have that kind of life, you know, but I, I don't like sort of feel bad about what I went through because it only has made me become who I am. And it's only made me become someone that could really help other people because, you know, like I said, been there, done that. So I love that I could relate to people, not because I read a book, but because I fucking lived the life. Right. And that's what I like. I try and explain to people all the time because like sometimes I get the like, oh, you're trying to be like a dictator or you're trying to push your point of views or you're trying to do this. And I'm like, that is never my intentions. It is always just to share like personal experience about like what I've gone through to say like, I can relate to you. And although maybe the circumstances aren't completely the same, they're really similar from an emotional standpoint. And like, I can help you. And I, you know, I understand and I can guide you. And of course- no, but that's you- why you do, no, listen, I'm sorry, I cut you off, but I need to tell you this. Yeah. That is why right there, what you just said is why I did my- my own show because I was so sick of trying to give that part of myself to people who didn't want it. I wanted mm-hmm. to meet people at the same place that I was. I wanted to meet the people that wanted me to dig deep and shove my opinions down their throat and give them my advice. You know what yeah. I mean? My yeah. friends were sick of it. Sometimes they don't want that. Like, you know, so the, the, doing it this way, like your way now, no one on your show is ever going to say that to you. Right. Your friends might because maybe they don't want to hear it. And that's yeah. cool. I don't need to talk to my friends about their problems anymore, you know, because I get to do what I love to do on my show with people who want it, you know, and that's the difference. So there's nothing wrong with what you wanted to do. It was just those people weren't ready for it. They didn't want it. I got a lot of shit growing up and people didn't like me a lot of times because I'm kind of like a truth sayer. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I see the truth, I say it, you know, but I now meet people at the point in their lives where they want to know the truth. They want to hear the truth. That's what they come on my show for. So I am never been more happy because I don't hear those those fucking conversations anymore that you heard. Like, that's what I used to hear. That's why I started my show. So no one would ever say that to me. And that's why you do your show. Keep your, uh, your great words of wisdom to your callers. Yeah. And it's so true. And you're so, it's so true. And I definitely, it's taken me some time to understand that. And I I honestly think that it came out of one of the conversations that we had last privately, where it was like, Mm -hmm. you know what? No, this is my show. I could do whatever I want. And there was like a lot of like, aha moments that came with it. And so, so, mm-hmm. you know, the whole growth and and phenomenon of what the podcast really is becoming, you know, just for me personally, from a gratification standpoint, a successful thing or like whatever I think my goal is with it is like, yeah. it feels so much more powerful now. Like, I feel like I found my passion back and I feel like I, I found my way with it, recognizing all that you're saying right now that it's like, it's your show. You can do it however you want. And like, once you start right. with that, it's like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Let's just talk and let's have conversation. It's not about interviews. It's about talking. <laughs> and so I yeah. just, I love all of this because it's kind of just like solidifying, like solidifying all of my thoughts that I've been having. And, and just like at the pivotal moment where I just, I feel like I'm making a change and strive forward. Like this conversation is just coming at the most perfect time. And that is yeah, the love universe that. for you. For, for sure. sure. Yeah. And that's what happens on, that's what happens in these kinds of places, right? 
and that's, you know, you're meeting your, your guests are meeting you at the same place. Like everyone's evolving, like on the same level, you know, and that's what it's all about. And that's why it's so great that we could do this, you know? Now, now I, so you've shared that originally it started out strictly anonymously because of what your journey and why you did it. But at some point in time, did you end up becoming, you know, out in the open with your friends and family about all of this? No, no. (laughs) Well, listen, my sister knows some of my best friends know I have a child. None of the mom friends know. Thank God they don't really ask. Remember I said like most people don't really ask questions. Nobody asks me what I do for a living. Thank God. After like 10 years, this is crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no, but like literally, I mean, my parents, my mom died recently and I was, I made a joke. I have a podcaster friend whose mom had passed too. And I'm like, I guess our, both of our moms now know that we do sex podcasts. You know, listen, my parents, my mother always knew that I was, you know, out of the box. I was thrown out of three high schools. I mean, I was like really badass when I was younger. And so, so <laughs> nobody thought I was like Miss Pollyanna. Okay. So like my mother knew I did something and I had a show and she just didn't want like, and I wasn't going to tell her what it was about. And she was like happy with that. You know, she comes from that generation. Let's just sweep it under the rug it's great that you don't want to tell me because I don't want to know, you know? Right. So she, I think she kind of had an idea, but never did I tell her the name. Most people have zero clue, no idea. My name is fake. I never changed my voice. My voice is real. I should have changed it because I did find out that uh, guys like little high pitched girly voices way better than deep voices. Like what, you know, I change all my girls voices to high, be high pitched. Like and they voice. like, no, that your voice is what guys like. Okay. <laughs> I'm a bitch okay my voice is like a bitchy voice it's not good if I had your voice I'd be liked a little bit more it just is the way that it is but you know to this day so many people don't know who I am and even within my show like I do these videos on YouTube where sometimes people are like move the camera up I can't see your face I mean you're just see like my torso like my tits and my body and like I'm talking headless because like that was the only way I could do my things but in a weird way it became such a great calling card for my show too like there is a price tag on my anonymity at this point for me yeah uh whereas like oh I would give up who I am and be out in the open but it would have to be for this much money and some sort of deal that was like really great because if not I love that I could do what I do and I could walk around New York City and I don't get I have a big audience you know at this point like um, sometimes I'll get emails like, hey, I was in an Uber and I picked someone up at the airport. Are you in California by any chance? Like, was that you? It sounded like you in my backseat. I'm like, no. <laughs> but I love funny. that I could walk. Yeah, I love that I could walk around and nobody kind of knows, you know. Um, but and most people in my life don't. So I never, I never, even though, like I said, it started out because I was nervous that I was I, it was gonna suck. Even when it didn't suck and it got to be good, I still didn't tell anyone in a weird way as open as I am I live like a private life like sometimes somebody said once and I'm like wow you're so right he's like you know you have all these people calling in and talking about their secret lives like is your secret life your podcast and I'm like yes actually I'm like my callers I have a secret life you know so fascinating because yeah I mean, your podcast is very successful. So like I would be wanting to scream it from the rooftops, you know, like my mother, she's so cute. Like every, we go to their house, like almost, I feel like almost every day for dinner. Yeah. And every time Mm -hmm. we're there, she's like, you know, so where are you on the charts today? Or like how many followers, like, you know, she's asking me, you know, and so like it, it, it brings me happiness to know, you know, number one, that she supports it. And number two, like somebody feels excited about my successful moments as I do, you know? So like 100%. I, yes, I don't have a, 
I don't have a lot of people to do that with. I have a couple, like my closest friends do know, but, and only one person, like my brother and my sister know, um, but yeah, nobody else. And some of my cousins know, like one of my cousins know, my cousins in California, they're probably listening to this. They listen and they're cool, like younger cousins, but most people don't. And it's kind of fun. I don't know. It's like a whole interesting thing, you know? Yeah. You know, I I have a bittersweet thing. I'm, sometimes I do wish I did not live so publicly, you know, mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. is, it's, it's really is really trying at times, but at the same time, I guess it wouldn't have brought me all of the things that I have today. So I am like really humbled by it, but it is really like a mixed bag review for me. You know, I have no choice but to embrace it and continue on trucking on. Um, and it's okay. I deal with it in different ways, but sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes I have some <laughs> severe anxiety. Yeah, it, com- <laughs> I it comes with you- baggage. Yeah, yeah, it comes with baggage. And for me that I've been able to be as successful as I have been while being anonymous and I know how to monetize my show. I've been very successful at that. I make a good living doing it. And I'm like where I'm at without doing anything. And I could still walk a- around and nobody knows my business and nobody's stopping me on the street. And None of my son's uh, mom's parents are having an issue with mm-hmm. my son because of what I do. You know, right. that works. Yeah. I w- I'd have to be making a lot of more money to give that all up and put up with the baggage of me mm-hmm. walking to the gym like I did today and having like five guys come up and maybe say something to me. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it's like, I, I, you know, that's something I would consider. I always want to you know, I'm never the type of person that's like happy where I'm at. I always want to climb another mountain. So I feel like, oh, as big as my show is, oh, I get this many people. I'm like, if I was Lady Gaga, would I be happy with my success? No, I'd be crying. You know what I mean? Like there's so much more (laughs) I could, you know, sometimes you got to think like Lady Gaga, you can't be happy where you're at. I always want more and I want to grow. Um, And so I hope that that happens down the line and I would give up my anonymity, but it would have to be because I was going to become really, really big. And it would, you know, and it would change my life in significant other ways that that baggage that came with it would, would also would be okay because there'd be that balance, right? Do you want it? Yes, 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 for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, if it came like five years from now, when my son is older, like that would probably be more ideal, you know, Uh Um, I do, I, I am always trying to grow my audiences. I mean, the fact that I've grown it as big as I have, considering I'm a nobody and I'm not famous and nobody knows who I am. And I rarely go on other people's podcasts or do anything. And it just has grown word of mouth for this long is great. You know, I just, I feel like if I wasn't serious or had something like that, it was way bigger and really pushed me, somebody pushed me out there more publicly than I could just like five times the amount of what I have and then five times my money, you know, that would be great. So yeah. yes, I'm open to it because I think with expo- a huge exposure, um, everything would quadruple and that would be fantastic. But if it didn't happen, I'm okay because like I'm very comfortable and very happy right now. I mean, they say like do what you love to do and get paid for it and that's what I'm doing and right. I couldn't be happier. You know, I've done a lot of different things in my life and I've always been happy with what I've done, but I never, I always chose jobs that I was like happy at, but I didn't really make that much money, but I loved what I was doing, you know? And now it's kind of like, I love what I'm doing and I'm making more money than I ever had in my life, you know? So it's perfect. It's great. You know? I'm so happy to hear you say that, like, you do want to strive for that because sometimes when I have these big goals in mind, I feel like it's Mm -hmm. selfish and I feel like it's not the right thing to it's not 
it, like, I feel like it's not the right, right way to think, but then I'm like, well, how else do you get there if you don't think big? So you have to have an, like, I, I'm a very spiritual person and I think, you know, I've worked very hard and like letting go a lot of my ego, but at a certain point, if you want to be really big and really successful, your ego has to, you got to drink your own fucking Kool-Aid. Okay. Look at any famous person out there or anyone that's big, you have to think like that and feel that way about yourself. And there's, that's, there's nothing selfish or wrong about it. You know what I mean? It's just a part of the equation of having that kind of success, you know, Mm -hmm. when you have to, for me, I had to really think about it. Would I want that? Because it would be a matter of giving up. Like for me, I live in New York city. So I love nothing more than to wander the streets and go to the movies by myself and walk around and what's great about being in New York is you have millions of people around, but you're kind of anonymous. Nobody gives a shit about anybody, you know? So would I want to give that up? Like, that's a scary thought, you know, but once I started to become more successful, I'm like, yeah, I'll fucking give it up. And now, okay, I need to be successful. What do I need to do? I need to think like you said, you felt bad about thinking, whereas I need to think I want fucking more. And I, you know, you got to get a little bit of your ego and you got to think you're fucking great and you got to think you deserve it. And why not? You know what I mean? Think like, what would Lady Gaga think? She wouldn't feel bad about thinking that way. That's what you fucking wanted. Right. wrong with it. You know, I love this. Thank you so much for being just like so honest, you know, like it's just, it's just really great. I really am getting so much out of this. Like it makes me so happy every time we talk because, you know, like it, it, a few reminders to, to say like, not everything happens overnight and it is a very long journey and patience and hard work and dedication is certainly part of everything. And just to hear that, like, yeah, if success didn't happen tomorrow, that's fine. Five years from now would be great. So like, even though it's, it's long-term, it's still kind of short-term and it's just a great way to think about, you know, success planning and like what the future holds and stuff like that for 2024, I have committed to myself to actually build like what what my plan looks like. And like, what am I actually striving for now? Now that I've gotten everything, the consistency, you know, flow and all that jazz, like that's the next phase for me. So this is I'm telling you, this conversation is happening like all at the right time. This is good. I love it. Hopefully your audience will get something out of it, too. I I don't know if I'm boring like other people. No, you're not boring. No, believe me, they're going to love all this. (laughs) You know what? My audience really loves like the true like uh, this kind of stuff, you know, like the thoughts and feelings. And so. You know, it's a they I mean, I probably talk about them a lot, but it's different with different people because everybody's thoughts are different and executions are different. So it just provides such a different way of thinking. And so yeah. for me, I find it to be so powerful because it's like, yeah, this is all the stuff that I know. And of course I think about it, but it's really helpful to hear it from somebody that I admire that's so successful, that's kind of in the same industry, even though you're not swinger, you're still, (laughs) it's adult content. And that's, you know, one of the things that you and I had spoken about, and when you were giving me some feedback and direction on my podcast specifically, it was kind of like, you know, what is this? You know, originally I did have it as a swingers podcast and it was still a little uncomfortable with me because I'm like, you know what? I don't just talk about swinger stuff. I talk about all sorts of adult stuff in every single aspect of things. And Mm -hmm. when I migrated and made the shift to that specifically, uh, of course, social media helped me because Facebook kept flagging my, um, (laughs) 
my title yeah. of my things for having swinger in it. So change, yeah. but it kind of was like all at the same time. It was like, oh, you you said that to me. I was thinking about what it was. Then Facebook started to give me a hard time, and I'm like, okay, well, there are the universal signs again. Connect the dots. And yeah. when I changed it over to just like adult podcast, I personally felt so much better because I felt like I was much more connected to what my, the meaning of what my podcast was. And I think that that was the turning point for me. I'm wondering, did you have a, like a pivotal turning point where you had to make a different direction within your podcast or, or did everything just kind of just like line up and flow to get you to here? It always lined up and flowed. I, I feel like my direction for next year, somebody asked me on my Patreon, like Q&A, like what is your anything you're doing, anything different for next year? And what I've always wanted to do is, you know, talk about other things besides sex. Like I feel like um, always this pressure to have these really salacious, great episodes. And I do, I have three of those a week for everyone. And sometimes I throw out bonus episodes, whereas I think that like they're a great episode about like Jamal, who was in prison and wanted to talk about gay sex, but it wound up to be about meth addiction and prison and the jail system and prejudice. It was just like amazing episode, you know? And um, so I'll put episodes like that as a bonus episode, because I know that my audience isn't so much, they're all coming for the sex. And if I'm not talking about the sex, do they really care? I don't know. You know, I couldn't give up the sex and just do the other stuff, but I love that other stuff. So I feel Mm -hmm. like in my new year, I want to talk about stuff. And I think that's why I'm going to add an extra show. And I'm still going to do my three shows like I do and give my audience what they want. But I want to go after, I want one day a week to be like, you know, just about regular stuff, like Mm -hmm. regular life stories. You know, they don't have to be these salacious stories about sex and all that stuff. Because I was always like obsessed with talk shows. I mean, that's my dream to have my own talk show and to have Mm -hmm. a different topic every day. It doesn't always have to be about sex. It could be about anything. So I think I'm going to add that in because I love that stuff too. And to show people that that, like, that's a big part of who I am as well. It's not just talking about sex, though. That's what my huge audience likes. And I'm like, I said, I'm not never going to get rid of that. I just want to add in this other thing because I love that too. Yeah. You know, so and that's, that's maybe a shift. a whole new audience that. Yeah, because, I hope so. And that whole new audience is going to be sexual beings too. So it's going to yeah. be a good migration. And that will be really totally. fun and super fulfilling for you to kind of do a full circle of like, you know, it's been 10 years. Now it's great to, it's almost like you're just doing like a little like, um, little pep me up in there of like, you know what, let's get down to something that I feel super passionate about. And like, I just, I just love when we're able to self-reflect and say, no, I need this also. And yeah. it's time to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really talk about like, yeah. So it's a matter of just adding in something a little bit more um, and doing more episodes a week. Like I said, I, I do three, it's probably going to be four or five. My goal is to probably get up to like one a day. Right. Um, I just need to find somebody to help me edit because at this That's... point I'm still doing everything myself. I was going to ask you if, if, <laughs> yeah, if you do it all on your own. Every fucking thing. I have one guy that I hired who's so terrible. I can't, uh, the only thing I give him do is like you know my spreadsheets my advertising spreadsheets like I, he could I could do, give him like real dumb dumb work yeah. but he can't he's because he's really bad but I like him but um he all he does is my confessions that I post on my um 
Patreon. Um, but no, I do. I, I added the shit out of every episode. I'm like OCD. Like I edit out every cough, every weird noise, every interruption I make. I And then I edit it and descript and take out filler words. And so I spend a lot of time. It's like a 24-7 gig, which I love because I like all that stuff too. But in order for me to take it up a notch and produce more content, which I want to do because I have so many people that want to call into my show and I want to do this extra content, I need to bring someone on. So I'm thinking to uh, train one of my friends who does like music and stuff and really get her on board with helping me to take it up a notch to do it. Because at this point, I have a YouTube channel. You know, my Patreon has like almost 1,900 people on there. My YouTube channel has like 40,000 people. My podcast has like so many and I'm getting, it's, it's just everything I do myself plus all of my social media. Yeah. You know, like I said, it's a 24 seven gig, which I love. I need a job. I'm not sitting around all day long. I'd be bored. You know, it's like I wake up every morning, drop my son off at school and I work all day like anybody else mm -hmm. that has a job, you know, and also yeah. on the weekends and I'm always on my phone and I love it. But in order to do more, I need help and it's yeah. hard to find that. Yeah, but that's my goal. The editing, I find the editing itself is just a full-time job because depending on how yeah. you do it, it's like you could listen to one show fucking five times before you're done with the edit. And it's just like, oh my God, I just listened to this like for 10 hours. Like I just, I, I can't oh, anymore yeah. and my head wants yeah. to explode. <laughs> yeah, I have a, I have a, I have like a set format of how I do it, but it's to the first go around is tedious and the second go around is like editing um and writing down my description as I go and editing out stupid things that I say and mm -hmm. stuff you know yeah um so maybe it's like three hours of editing uh, for every one hour show but I do three shows a week plus yeah. I write all my descriptions plus I have to upload everything plus I have to do my advertiser you know it's like a really fucking annoying but I like it you know what I mean that's <laughs> yeah. I think that's what that's the whole point is like that and it is about like I do like, uh, besides creating and talking to people, I do like the business aspect of things. Like I like all, I like everything that I do. I even like editing because I'm like a perfectionist. It's like yeah. a, solving a problem and working at it and it's hard and I like all that shit. So I like everything, but I need help. And we all do because yeah. it's, if you're editing five times and you can't like, like you need someone to come in and like fucking help. Because, I, yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, the thing is, is I'm, I'm getting much better at the editing. I watch a lot of YouTube videos and it yeah, that's good. be really difficult for me. Now I've definitely gotten my flow down of like, okay, I know exactly how to do my sound adjustments and like what I'm supposed to do. So I think that going forward, it will definitely be shorter time to do the editing but that yes. was like a thorn in my side and I'm like oh my god this is gonna be my killer I was sending out the um audio to someone on Fiverr and they were doing all the edits for me and in that time frame that they were doing it is when I was like kind of studying up on how to do it myself uh -huh. So I was like, okay, you know what just give me some downtime so I can kind of regroup and focus here so I don't have to do it and after getting the edits back from the gentleman that was doing it for me and me learning how to do it, I'm like, oh my God, they're like pretty on point themselves. So wow, that, you found someone good because I don't think it's, I think it's really hard to find someone that does actually good editing. Really? Well, I yeah, mean, you're lucky. I'm comparing it to my own editing. So I mean, <laughs> we're talking, so there's a scale here. <laughs> Listen, I listen to podcasts. I, I always have something in my ear, like when I'm getting ready in the morning or sometimes when I'm in my car stuck in traffic. And like, I have to say, Sometimes I hear people's podcasts. I can't believe like there's coughing. There's like water running in the background, dogs barking. There's ho horns honking. I'm like, why didn't they fucking edit that out? Like I'm neurotic because I have like misophonia. I'm like, 
I'm uh, I, I can't stand like noises that are irritating. So if I have a guest that smacks their lips or I hear saliva, I literally go through and take every little one of those out because I can't listen to somebody like that. So I put my I'm projecting my own psychosis onto my episodes. Hey, hey, listen, whatever makes yeah. you feel good about what your end and what your end production is going to be there is what you need to do. I am still exactly. learning. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I'm glad that you're podcasting again. That's the good news. That's where you need to be. And so you went through all of your journey of like, just like kind of getting to the point where you created your podcast. Do you think that there's anything that you wish you would have done in conjunction with the podcast or you're completely satisfied with this being your primary and just like rocking on? Yeah, no, this is like my, this was my dream in life. Like I said, I sometimes think like, thank God. Listen, it's easier for me to build an audience and have a show because I started so much earlier than you. I'm not a moron. Like, you know, I mean, would I have been able to build my show if I started when you did? Probably not. You know, I started 10 years ago. I was lucky. I got in when no one was around. Maybe there was 20 sex podcasts, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I was there. So I already had an audience by the time this all came out and pinch myself like almost every day and say to myself like, thank God I did because if I wasn't doing this and this started now and this whole podcast boom came, I'd be like, oh my God, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's hard to do it now. There's celebrities that can't get a fucking audience because there's everybody has a show, you know, it's not easy. So I'm so glad that I did it because there is nothing more that I ever wanted to do than just like have my own talk show. And that's kind of like what I have. Yeah. And the only thing I'd want to do different is talk about more diverse stuff, you know, and, and maybe talk to a bigger audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's it. So, yeah. But no, this is exactly like everything I ever wanted and I couldn't be happier. I'm so happy to hear that you're just like fulfilling everything that just makes you feel happy because I do yes. think that, you know, through the trials and tribulations of our lives at some point in time, we do get to have that happy, joyous moment of like, yes, this is what it was all for. And so for you to be able to continue to live that on and feel that every day, and you can totally tell based upon just like how you're talking about it and just like your thoughts and all of that, it's, it's really just it's beautiful. It shows. And it's, inspi- it's inspiring, right? Yes, because yes. honestly, like literally, like if I could do it, then anyone can because I'm over. It wasn't until I was like 50 that I'm finally doing what I'm supposed to be doing and making a ton of cash doing it. Like I'm like, I have a great story to tell. Like I don't really talk about myself on my show, but every now and then I'll put out an episode here or there about my journey. And like, mm-hmm. you know, it, when I ever do talk about like how, you know, my journey of success, like it's an interesting story. So it, it just goes to show that if you're 35, 40, 45, 49, and still haven't figured it out or made any kind of cash, like, don't worry because you still can because I'm living proof, okay? Like I'm way over six figures doing better than I ever have. It couldn't right. be making more. It's a, but it's, and it, and it, and it happened to me. It's a real story. And I never did that before. You know what I mean? So it can happen. So I think it is inspiring just because of my age, you know? Yeah. And it's true. It's exactly right. It's like you never give up on your dreams. And if you feel like yeah. this is something that you should be doing, like you just can't be scared and you've got to do it. And this, the fear is is difficult because we all have it. And actually, you mentioned that, you know, you had insecurities going on for a oh while. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I had a friend, a very successful producer. He's won Grammys and shit. I won't say his name, but I dated him at one time. And, um, you know, he was a heroin addict at some point in his life. And he was like, 
know, here he is like a fucking junkie, but he was always successful and he it became so huge. And I remember saying to him, like, how did you become so successful even though you had all this stuff? He's like, Kathy, you know, I never got to another level without feeling like freaked out, like, what the fuck am I going to do? You know, and that's like what it's all about. If you are playing it safe and you are never freaked out about where you're at, then you are never going to the next level. If you are not wide awake in the middle of the night, flipping out, feeling so disgusted in yourself that you just spent $4,000 on podcast equipment and you're starting a show and it's going to be so terrible and you're so embarrassed because you're going to suck. You're not going forward. You know what I mean? Like that you have to be in those places where you're petrified and that's when you know you're moving to the next level, yeah. you know? And so I moved, when I moved to that next level, there was shame, there was guilt, there was, oh my God, I'm terrible at what I'm doing. There was so much of that, but th- I had to go through that to get to where I'm at now, you know? And that's what it's about. Like he said, you know, you, you're, if you're, you, if you're not feeling freaked out or nervous or scared or feeling like you don't know what the fuck you're doing at your new place, then you're never moving, you know, you're not making those big strides. You could say the same and that's fine if that's what you want in your life, you know, but if you want to take it up a notch, you're going to have to go through a place where you feel fucking horrified. You feel like a phony, you feel like a fraud. You feel like you don't know what you're doing. That's what it's all about. I love that because I definitely felt all of those emotions. (laughs) Yes, that's good. That means you're taking it up. That's your, that means you're at another level. You're going there, you know, you got to feel uncomfortable. It's true. Well, not, not that this is uncomfortable or not, but as you were recording this show, do you have like one show that the story was just so far outrageous that you were like, oh my gosh, this is even something I've never heard before. Yeah, it's kind of a gross one, and I hate to say it because, like, no one's going to want to go and listen to it. So I don't know if I should say that one. There's yes, some... you should. <laughs> no, it's so disgusting, and I always bring it up as a topic. But it was, like, this one guy, he was into wearing panties, right? But it turned out when I really started to talk to him, he loved, like, these pla- plastic panties. And he told me that he would put them on in the morning, and then he would take eggs, and he would shove them down into his plastic panties, and he'd break them. So that all the, you know, the yolk and everything would come out and think about yolk, crack an egg, right? And feel it kind of like the semen, cummy kind of, you know what I mean? Like he put that in there and then rub it around and jerk himself off. And then he'd come (laughs) and then he'd take the stuff and he'd make it an omelet and he would eat it. Swear fucking God. And he was like, literally, when we got off the phone, he said, you know, just so you know, I made an omelet this morning. Would you like me to send you a picture of it? And I was like, fuck no. Like, it's like, absolutely not. And just so you know, when I'm on the phone with these people, I'm never phony. Like I said to his face, like, you're a fucking psychotic. This is gross. Like, yeah, I can't believe this. Like, I'm never like, oh, my God, that's so interesting. You know, I really (laughs) am giving my, don't worry, I am giving my real, uh, like, feelings about it. You know, sometimes, a lot of the times on my show, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I'm laughing hysterically because the stories I hear are crazy. That one was gross. I was like, this is disgusting. So that was a crazy one. And I had another guy who was, like, into feederism, and he was, um... Basically, it sounded like he was like a murderer. I was like horrified by this guy. And, I, you know, he wanted to call back. He's like, I'm going to get my wife to call. And his wife called and it was obviously him. He was like, hi, hi, this is his wife. Like he was making up this phony voice. And then I realized this whole thing was a scam and I never aired it. And I was like, thank God this was all a lie because I thought I was talking to like a murderer. So sometimes I have like really 
crazy things like that. Or the other last thing that I'll tell you <laughs> that I get a lot of, and I, I turned it into a way for me to ma- do a bonus episode, is of my fact or fiction episodes. For some reason, a lot of guys want their girls to fuck other guys. It's a big fantasy of theirs, but, mm-hmm. you know, their wives don't do it. So they make up stories, you know. So I have a lot of fake people calling in with their fake hot wives. And um, I do oh, it now as a... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Hold on a second. Wait. So these, like... Wait. They call them fake stories and I put it out as a fact or fiction. And I ask them at the end, I like, I let them know, like, I don't believe what you're saying, but they're good sports. And I say, do you mind? I'm going to put this out. You know, I wasted an hour of my time. I'm still going to make content. And my audience that role, like I am, like I do, cause I'm kind of like a detective, you know, that want to know, is this true or not? I put it out. It's a new bonus thing that I have. It's fact or fiction. I have a, I have one coming out tomorrow about a guy with a small dick and, um, and most of the time, it's a hot wife, guys. Uh, and I put them out now as factor fictions. I used to throw them out and not post them. But now I'm like, if I wasted my time talking, I'm going to put it out as that. And I'm going to call them out on their lying. I'm, I'm kind of just put like that blown away out. that somebody would like. Yeah, lie. How, do the stories begin like normal? Like, does it sound yeah, like you're so reading a story first... from a piece of paper? or like? No, some of them are so good. And, you know, some guy on YouTube said to me recently, oh, like. Uh, how could you think some men don't think that way? They don't make up stories. They're not wired that way. I'm like, really? Wait, with Stephen King? Uh, uh, think of every male director <laughs> out there. Think of every actor. Like, I mean, are you kidding? You think men don't know how to tell a fucking story? Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, I have, Some of them are so good at it that in the past I used to just let them fucking roll because they were so great, but it was so obvious, you know? And like, sometimes I'd say like, it doesn't really sound true, but it, it's kind of like the fact that you're lying about it becomes interesting. One of my first callers, this guy named John, he was like my most famous caller. And when I first started, it was hard for me to get callers. So the fact that he was like, I started to think he was lying. I couldn't really do anything about it because mm-hmm. people loved him and I didn't have any other guests, you know, yeah. but I did eventually call him out and he stopped calling, but it, it just, he was so good. Oh my God. He was so good. And it was a hot wife thing. And he was, people loved John and, um, it turned out it was fake and he started to send me stock photos of his wife and I put them in a Google images and, you know, I realized the whole thing was what? a lie, but oh, wow. I, he had me believing him for like the first four episodes. Sometimes they're really good. Now I could spot it a lot better. And I, like I said, I make it into a fact or fiction episode and not everyone's going to tune into that, but people that are like me that they kind of want to see, am I right or am I wrong? I don't mind people disagreeing with me. That's what I love about it. I like starting conversations. I love a good debate. I love when people believe the guests and I don't, you know, we'll have yeah. a debate about it. So that's what I do with those people, Bone those interesting away. people. Wow. I mean, yeah. so brilliant and smart to make it into a fact or fiction because it's true. You recorded the content, so it's it's it would be terrible to waste your time. But I would never in my life think that something like that would happen. Oh, yes. And it happens a lot specifically with the hot wife thing, you know, because it's like a fantasy. And these guys, I think, are jerking off or they're jerking off when they hear it or they're making this up. You know, who knows what makes people tick, but I use it as content and it's kind of interesting now that I put that spin on it. So that's how I put those episodes out now. You, but I, and I, yeah. I was going to say, do you get like a consistent reason from the guys on like why they love the hot wives so much? Like why they love that composition? Do yeah. You, what yeah. is the consistent message? It's about, it's about seeing their girl as it's two things that I hear the most. It's about seeing their girl as their own personal porn star, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're always watching porn and that girl in that porn is like unattainable. You know what I mean? They can never fuck that girl. But when they see their girl as the porn star, they're watching it, they're outside of it and that's their girl. 
it's like they're fucking the porn star. That's their girl. Their girl is the porn star. And the other thing is they love to see their partner pleasure. That, mm. that, that, and that's why a lot of them, they, you know, it's sort of counterintuitive. You're like, you want the guy to have a bigger dick than you, but it's like, yeah, because she's screaming and in ecstasy, like she, I've never seen her before. And it gives them intense pleasure. So those are the two main reasons that I hear uh, that people like it. Sometimes I think it ties back to like, um, you know, some people having some sort of issues with jealousy when they were younger and they take that jealousy and turn it into a turn on, which I think is a very mm. great thing to do. Why not? Yeah. Um, uh, but sometimes Interesting it's just, perspective, really. Yeah, I love like whether when someone once told me that I was like, oh, my God, that makes sense that you and the fact that you could take that energy because it's just energy. Right. And it's a negative energy when it's jealousy. But if you could take that jealousy that you can't help but feel and turn it into a turn on, like what a great way of dealing with a dysfunction. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And And I guess like a lot of people in the kink world kind of do Mm -hmm. something similar, you know. Totally. Yeah, I could see. I could totally understand that mindset on that. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're working through their trauma in a powerful way, right? They're taking control of it. It's a matter of taking control. Because sometimes, you know, things are put on people and maybe you're never going to be able to unpack them, you know? But if you could uh, take control of it and work it to your favor, what's wrong with that? It's like the maybe the girl that was raped or something that gets into BDSM. Is that necessarily bad that she got into it? No, because that's her way of sort of taking her power back and owning it and her being in control. And, you know, what else is she going to do with that fucking bullshit that was put on her? You know what I mean? Curl up in a ball. Right. No, let her go pleasure herself. And, you know, and if that's what works for her, that's better than her, you know, cutting herself. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's it's a, it's, it's a, it's a way of dealing with trauma. And I think it's a positive thing, you know, if that's, if that's what you could do. That, yeah, that is. I really appreciate you sharing that because it is powerful. And I think that sometimes the audience doesn't, those that are not knowledgeable in those areas don't understand how the relation happens. And it is a very healthy yes. thing, you know, and so it just is a matter of just educating and, you know, kind of understanding that world before making a judgment on like what's good or bad or not. But yeah, it is yeah. a tool and a mechanism to help the mindset. So I do really totally. appreciate you saying that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, okay. If you had to take like one huge learning from your audience, what would that be? You know, I admire my audience or my callers. Um, I'm sorry, your callers. Yeah, my call. I, you know, listen, I admire my callers because I feel like a lot of them have lived out their fantasies a lot more than I have. I, you know, um, I when I was younger, there was a, a documentary I saw called the The Lifestyle, and it was all about swingers. And you know, I was like maybe in my late twenties when I saw it, and I was like, oh my god, when I'm like six years old, I want to be a fucking swinger. You know, like <laughs> that's what I'm gonna do. And I just feel like I have that in me, and I just like live vicariously through all these people that have done it. And I do admire people who have been able to take their stuff and lived out all their fantasies. I, you know, I had a kid eight years ago since he was born. You know, I haven't had a long-term relationship. My last one was right before him, but I really feel like in my next one, I would be uh, more open to doing a lot of things that I maybe never had done in the past and have Mm. an open relationship and turn my jealousy into a turn on. I have realized I'm a little cuck queen. I would get off on seeing my guy with another girl. I was that girl that was always super jealous. And now I realize I could turn that around. You know, there's certain things that I have learned 
from my show, you know, and has made me realize like, you know, there's like, you know, I used to dry hump as an adult and my friends would be like, what are you fucking dry humping for? I'd be like, why don't you try it? It's like hot. And I realized, oh, I'm into tease and denial. Like that's a thing. Some people like that. Like that's my thing. Like I, I've really been able to hone into like what I like and what I'm into, you know, and I feel excited to bring that into my next relationship. And I would go in and be more open about it. Like I hear from my other callers. I think the best way to do it, what I see with my successful uh, couples that are open is uh, when you do meet someone and you're open right from the start. It doesn't mean that it's like what your game plan would be. Yeah, right from the start to just be like, you know, this is who I am. This is what I'm into. And let's have some fucking fun. I think I'm going to wind up to be that swinger when I'm 60. You know, it's going to come true. I've made and, a lot of like. At this, yeah. at this point in time in your life, if you don't do that right out of the gate, it's like you're selling yourself short because yeah. if that partner can't provide all that to you, you know, a couple months down the road when you bring it up, it was like, oh, man, I should have done this right out of the gate. So, you know, yeah, it's things. And it ties into like the messaging on my show is that like, you always have to be just like honest, transparent and communicate like right when the thought strikes to get it out there. And that totally would apply with finding a new sexy, steamy, possible swinger, play partner and partner life or whatever it would be. (laughs) Yeah. I got to live out all my fantasies that, you know, when I was younger, I feel like I was teetering on things and stuff, but I didn't really get it. I feel like I've just learned a lot more about what certain things are and figured out certain things that I like and I would stick to it and be open about it with a new partner. And I'm excited for that, you know? I hope that when you find this new partner of yours and you start yeah. to explore this world, I get the exclusive interview. I'm okay, I'll give it to you. With life. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. I'm always worried that, oh, I'm going to be, you know, because I've always dated narcissists and the biggest fucking douchebags, you know, or like I'm a douchebag magnet. But, you know, I don't feel like I am anymore. I haven't dated in a while, but I always feel like, oh my God, I'm probably just going to be like the nicest guy that's going to be like, I don't want to fuck other girls, Kathy. Like, yeah. I'm going to be like begging him, like, just please go fuck someone else and tell me about it or let me watch or like, you know what I mean? <laughs> So we'll see to hear how it all develops for you. Yeah, hopefully I'll have a good story for you. <laughs> oh my God. If there's one thing that we would leave with the audience today from your perspective, what would it be? Oh my God, I don't know. What do you mean? Like um, like words of Yeah, like the words of wisdom that's powerful for you, or you think that they should just like keep with them because you I think never- that anybody listening that's in a relationship, what I've really learned, you know, from people who have called into my show, because I talk to people at all different stages, you know, I have a lot of couples besides the couples that were very open with each other right from the beginning. I've had a lot of couples who've been together forever since like high school. And just a little thing of opening up to your partner about your fantasies, just fantasy talk goes a long way. And I think a lot of people have never done that, you know, and it's even harder. The weird thing is it's very easy to go in in the beginning with someone and do it. It's way harder to do it with your partner that you've been with for a long time because you're kind of like revealing a side of yourself that you never did, right? How many girls out there would love to like go down a girl but never told their guy about it? You know, probably tons, you know, but they're secret. And how are they going to tell them now? They've been with them for 12 years, but you know, if you like, there's books out there or prompts or like listen to podcasts. Like if you could just open up a little bit, one person in the relationship, it could lead to so much more. I literally have couples on my show that that kind of talk and opening up fantasies have led them to be living in the lifestyle. So you never, and maybe it never goes there. It doesn't have to, right? Not everyone's going to wind up there, but it can, you know, 
But I, I do believe like that's the one thing that I learned that's like the biggest, most helpful thing for intimate relationships, you know, in relationships. Like for, if you want to make your sex life better, open up about your fantasies. Just even a little bit, one person, whoever it is, whether you're the guy or the girl, just throw one thing out there or start asking some questions. You start putting things out, your partner's going to start putting things out. And you never know what the right. fuck comes out, you know, and your sex life could only improve. I love that. So thank, there you go. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts and wisdom and your journey and inspiring me and continuing to inspire me. I really I love that. You. Yeah. I appreciate you being on my path and my journey. I do think that you came at such a pivotal point for me and I'm just so appreciative that you wanted to be a guest on my, my show because you know, you are <laughs> Your show is so much better than mine. And so for you, I, and I don't go on a lot of people's show because I'm always nervous. It's like going to be boring. I'm like, what do I have to talk about? You're more interesting. Like you need to come back on mine. This is what you need to do in the new year because episodes I put out now, no one's going to listen to them. It's the holidays, but you know, in January, like book a time to come on my show and we'll do like a girl talk episode about swingers parties and stuff. Like, I feel like you have so many tips for women and men. Yeah. And uh, we'll get so many people to go listen to your show now that you're up and running. Because I feel like yeah. last time you like weren't even podcasting at the time. So come back let, on. Yeah. And let me tell you, me being a guest on your podcast for like those couple of days, my podcast hit like number five on Apple charts. Oh, <laughs> like, no way. Yeah, yeah. See, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So you like, need you to be- come back on now that you're up and running and you're so much clearer. Come back on. We'll do a girl talk episode. I love to do girl talk episodes with other podcasters and people that have a natural rapport for me. And you have talked off air many times. You've been on my show. Like we've yeah. had this conversation. So it always helps when I have like some sort of chemistry with somebody. And I love to help other podcasters. I always have Layla from Curious Girl. I've had Wiley on a bunch of times. I'll have you on every now and then for girl talk episodes. It'll only help it. you get more callers and what you do I think is great in your life you know and you could really be helpful because you really live in that world and you're a young girl and I think your story is really great so book a time to come on my show again I'll have you back on yay I absolutely right awesome and then in the meantime where can everybody find you uh strictly anonymous podcast on any podcast app I also have a YouTube channel um strictly anonymous confessions I always I forget confessions I add that later but strictly anonymous confessions on any podcast app anywhere I suggest listening on a podcast app instead of YouTube but if you want to see half of me you could go to YouTube there's some videos there but um yeah just there and then on my uh Instagram and everything is at strict anonymous I have an Instagram and a Twitter my Patreon is doing really well and the reason why I have so many people on there is I started a Discord and my Discord, and I suggest that to other podcasters, like do what I do, okay? I give this tip to everyone. My Discord has become like the new Craigslist. Like people are hooking up, they're fucking each other, they're FaceTiming each other. You can make phone calls through Discord. Like I created this naughty Discord thing through my Patreon and Mm -hmm. I have like 18, 1900 people on there now. So, you know, people could also go to my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. And that's where you get to talk to my guests, but also all my listeners. And it's like a, fun uh, it's a fun group of people that are like because you could share stuff there and videos oh. and stuff so start well, one of those for yourself also. too yeah yes, you should thing and i don't have to do anything i my thing is i don't get involved in my discord i don't get involved in anything x-rated i have to keep everything clean because i'm the content creator you know so my patreon is all r-rated i don't do any of that it's my discord it's separate from me but you have to get there through my patreon so you have to pay for it 
Um, and yeah, do it. Try okay. to, I told all my other podcasters friends, it's a great thing. And I like, literally have all those people on there now. So it's a ah. great people obviously like it, you know, cause that's what people are signing up for to, to go on there and talk to each other. I created like a little community. Interesting. I'm going to explore that myself and I'm going to make sure that all of your links are in the body. Yes. I'll send podcast. you everything. Perfect. Everything. All right. So, awesome. Thank you so much for being here. And until next time, you guys, we will talk to you super soon. 